Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. And for the last year and a half, I've worked diligently on starting a new business all around helping women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I wanna welcome this week's guest, Camille Styles to our show today. Camille is a serial entrepreneur and founder of Camille Styles, a leading lifestyle digital publication that garners over 50 million impressions a month. Long before Camille started her incredibly popular blog, she was in the world of event planning. She loved cooking, had a passion for design, and really enjoyed bringing people together. So at that time in her life, she really thought she had her dream job. But it wasn't long until she started to crave a more creative outlet. She started a blog when blogs weren't even a thing, nor did people even know about it, just for fun, where she would share her inspiration and entertaining tips. This was long before social media was a thing, and she never thought in a million years that this tiny little blog she was doing for fun would eventually turn into an incredibly successful business that she is now focused on full time. This is a fun episode. We talk about all things from how to live an inspired life to how to take your side hobbies and passions and turn them into real businesses. Camille also shares her step-by-step approach to how she left her career and went all in to Camille Styles, which was again, one of the OG lifestyle blogs. We also talk about how she manages burnout, which can be common for any business owner, let alone a con content creator, and how she lives a purposeful life, both in family and in business. Welcome to the show, Camille. Thank you so much for having me, Yasmin. I'm so excited for our conversation. I can't wait. And big shout out to our mutual friend, Lindsay, for connecting us. And we've had a few conversations before this podcast. I'm so inspired by what you've built, how you've built it, and really your energy. I mean, that is just such a core component of anyone who I love having on the podcast. And you are just such a bright light. So I'm really excited for our community to learn more about you and everything you're bringing into this world. And one thing I'd love to actually start with before we go into your amazing journey is, you know, it's so important to have a growth mindset when it comes to building anything great. And that's That's definitely something that you've had in your very windy journey. What do you think are one of the biggest things that prevents people from really stepping into that growth mindset? Well, I can speak from experience because I definitely didn't suddenly graduate from college and have a growth mindset and just go after all of my dreams. I think like so many women, especially in their 20s and in 30s as well, there's a little bit of a fear to dream too big. And I think often it comes from either a fear of failure, a fear of disappointing others or themselves, or simply being surrounded by so many people, especially on social media, who just appear to be crushing it. And it can really be hard to feel like you could ever live up to that. So I think that there is a bit of oftentimes just limiting beliefs that come from a fear of not being able to achieve certain dreams. And that can keep those dreams from even birthing. And so I think that my piece of advice would be to just not be afraid to dream really big and have big visions and big goals for your life. And it's okay if you don't know yet how those will play out or even if they'll play out the way that you think, but just daring to even have that vision for yourself, even if it seems bold, 
is the first step to achieving great things. I literally have like goosebumps on my arm right now. And I know I say that often, but it's true. I just really resonate with that. And I think it's such powerful information. Hopefully with your story, people can see, you know, you didn't initially have these dreams for yourself and it's kind of become this bigger thing than I'm sure you've even expected. But I actually want to start with your upbringing now because so much of, you know, your varied experiences growing up, and we talked about this a little bit before, is it really has shaped who you are and really that grit that you have. So I'd love to hear more about your upbringing and how it's really impacted the women that you also are today. Yeah. So it is really interesting looking back and seeing some of those little parts of my childhood and my teenage years that in the time I had no idea how they would impact my career later. And now in hindsight, I I can see how they really did shape me. I'm very close to my family today and I'm so lucky to have them living here in Austin as I do now. I get to see them all the time. But growing up in Fort Worth, Texas, You know, looking back, I'm so thankful my mother had such an appreciation for beauty and creativity and would expose me to art and nature and so many things that sparked those loves and passions for cooking. That's really where my love of cooking was born too. And I think that I grew up just loving those creative outlets and and just creating. It's something that's always been really core to me. And then when I was eight, my family moved to small town, Missouri. I landed at a school where I knew not a single person. We had no family. And I really had to kind of find my footing. And I think it was that period of my life that I really learned to kind of be a chameleon in a way and fit into any environment, which I've learned as an adult can be both a blessing and a curse because I think that the downside as a kid of learning to be a chameleon is that it's easy to start sort of morphing yourself to fit into whatever environment you're in. My family moved again when I was in high school. I went from a graduating class of 50 to a graduating class of over 2,000. Wow. So when I was 16, I once again found myself in a place where I didn't know anyone. I had to really start over with my friend group. And It was really hard. I can remember screaming at my parents that they were destroying my life. But in hindsight, I am so thankful for those experiences that really started to build that sense of independence and determination to kind of find my own path and carve out a place for myself, even when I didn't have a built-in friend group or support system. I think that's really something that I was then able to carry with me into my career in adulthood, just that ability to to pivot and find my place, even when it was really hard. That definitely seems like a theme in your life is finding your place in new environments, even when it's difficult. And that takes me to, you know, after college, you eventually moved to New York to work for a magazine. And I'd love to hear more about Younger Camille and really the aspirations that you had for yourself at that time in your life. In hindsight, my career really is an example of following the things that I love and those things that light me up and kind of following my curiosity without knowing exactly where they were going to lead, but just staying really open. So I went to journalism school at Mizzou and I wanted to work in fashion PR. I thought that the fashion industry was my big dream. So I landed an internship at a PR firm in New York and moved with a good friend to an apartment and had four months of like total New York City fashion world immersion. And I'm so grateful for that time, both from what I learned about what I loved and what I learned about what I didn't want to do. And turned out I didn't want to live in New York. 
while working <laughs> in the fashion industry. <laughs> but I did discover my love for events and entertaining and gatherings. The PR firm that I was working for did a lot of like red carpet events. And I was like, wow, this is something that combines my love of food and design and creating an environment and gathering people together in a meaningful experience. And I can't believe this is a job. It's just something that had never really occurred to me before. So like I said, I knew I didn't want to stay in New York. It just didn't feel right for me. And I visited a friend in Austin who was finishing up her time at University of Texas, and I just fell in love with the city. Something about it just really spoke to me. It felt warm and casual, but at the same time, there was this creativity and like artistic spirit. So I moved here as one does in their early 20s when there's I really had no real commitments in my life. And I got a job sort of by fluke at an event planning company as like an events assistant and totally fell in love with that industry. Worked there for a couple of years planning events for corporate clients and weddings and really everything. Learned a little bit more about what I did and didn't like about that industry. And then when I was 24, I think very much through the encouragement of my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I decided to launch my own business. And it sounds a little crazy looking back that I did that at that point in time. But I think I was at a point in my life where I did feel that I had the knowledge and the skill set to plan events myself. Mm-hmm. And I talked to lot at basically every small business owner that I knew. I asked for their advice and talked to them about some of the mistakes that they made. And I launched Camille Styles Events with one intern and myself working out of the basement of our old little thousand square foot bungalow. And on the side, I launched a blog, having no idea that that would turn out to be the focus of my career for the next, you know, 13 plus years. So at the time it was a creative outlet. Blogs were sort of just starting to become something that people were doing. And I thought it would be a fun way to continue expressing myself creatively Also use my journalism degree. I still love to write. And I felt that was a muscle that I wasn't really being able to exercise in my event planning career and let it serve as kind of a marketing tool for my new event planning business. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so much I want to dig into here. So kind of looking at your experience in New York and also you taking the leap to kind of start your own business very early on, you know, you've mentioned this about yourself, but you do a really good job following your gut and really following your curiosity. You know, I always had that inkling early on, but I still stayed at jobs a little bit longer than I probably should have, but still eventually made the leap. And what I admire about you is that so early you were really tapping into what felt right and like taking that leap. What do you think it is, whether it's about you or maybe, you know, tactics that really helped you make that leap? Because there's so many women listening today who are like, oh my gosh, Camille, I feel the same way in my job, but I haven't really fostered that courage to make that leap and, you know, go after whatever dream that is for themselves. Yeah. I think it comes from doing hard things and realizing you can do them. And eventually after doing that over and over and over, you realize that you're capable of doing really challenging things. And, you know, I think going back to those childhood experiences from my multiple moves as a kid to I was in a terrible car accident in my early 20s that I had to fully, you know, rehabilitate from all the way to 
quickly becoming the top selling event planner at my little event planning firm that I worked for, those things and those experiences slowly took me from being someone who may not have realized that I had what it took to launch a business to realizing, hey, this is something that maybe I'm not experienced at and I I will probably definitely mess up along the way, but I think I can figure it out. And so I think the only way to do that is to start taking small steps that are challenging and hard and scary. And every time you do that, you build that confidence muscle a little bit more so that you can take the big leap and know that you'll figure it out. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. I wanted to tell you a quick story. Before I started this podcast, I was working extremely long and crazy hours in banking and then in tech. I was totally burnt out, not living my truth and dreaming of always building my own empire. With all of this stress, it came really debilitating periods from bloating, cramping, extreme breast tenderness and really unpredictable moods. I would always complain to my friends that I was literally out of commission for at least a week every single month. And that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right. Women are not inherently designed to suffer every single month. That's when I learned about hormonal imbalances. I started working with functional medicine doctors who told me that years of stress combined with taking birth control pills long-term created a cascade of hormonal damage in my body. This is why I felt bloated, tired, crampy, and moody before and throughout my period. They recommended I try something called seed cycling. And let me tell you, it's changed my life. Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. Within weeks of starting this process, I noticed major shifts in my period and my overall health. But I also noticed that seed cycling is actually kind of hard to do. I wanted the best quality seeds freshly ground in the right amount, but it was very time consuming. So I decided to create a simple and effective way for anyone to start seed cycling today using the highest quality organic seeds in the right amounts with the right support. It's called Bia, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Now, anyone struggling with hormonal imbalances can easily incorporate seed cycling into their busy schedule with the Bia Seed Cycling Bundle. This process has been life-changing for me. I no longer deal with cramps, bloating, breast tenderness, or any other PMS symptoms before my period. It's been a complete game changer, and it's allowed me to focus on things that matter most to me, like this podcast and building my own empire. And most importantly, I want this for you too. If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening. Listening, and now let's get back to the show. 
Yes, it is so true. I mean, even your move to New York, I mean, you talked about this accident, like these little life moves really shape who you are as a person and set you up for taking those bigger risks of starting your own business. Like nothing happens overnight. It's like, what are you doing in your day to day to kind of like put yourself outside the comfort zone, whether it's a discussion with your boss, calling someone and having an uncomfortable conversation with a friend or family member. It's these little things in accumulation really do make an impact. And kind of going back to your events business, you know, I want to talk about your mentality at this time, because so much has changed now that the blog and your media company is your full-time business. But you always thought at the time that bigger was better. You know, I know that has shifted your mentality. And so many of us can get stuck with the outwardly measures of success, which I know you've dealt with as well. But I'd love to just hear about how you thought about that with your first business. Yeah. And I think I will say, I think it's only gotten harder as social media has become so much more important to anyone in digital media, or I should say any business for that matter. I think it's really challenging to take an honest look at what are the actual keys to business success versus what are the vanity metrics that may look like success from the outside, but not really equal true success with your company. So I think with my event planning business, It was slow starting. I'll say that for sure from the beginning. And thankfully, I really at the beginning only had to support myself. And when I started the the blog, I really didn't have goals of monetizing that. I wasn't envisioning that to be what paid the bills. However, as I learned more about the growing industry and immersed myself more in the fairly new blogging world, I started to have these little aha moments where I saw people who were making actual money from blogging, not from social media yet, because it actually didn't exist yet, but just from digital media businesses. I saw different ways that people were launching courses and just doing interesting things online and actually making that their full-time business. So I went to a blogger conference back in 2009, I believe, maybe 2010, called Alt Summit that a lot of design bloggers and lifestyle bloggers were going to. They had speakers and panels and That was the first time that I really, I think, saw the potential to turn my small but growing audience into something that could be a a true part of my business. I actually sold my first banner ad to a brand that was in attendance. It was a total fake it till you make it moment. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was very excited about that like $300 a month that I sold. And I was like, wow. I'm making money on doing this thing that I absolutely love to do. And I don't know exactly where it's headed, but I know that it interests me enough and it lights me up enough where I want to pursue that and see where it goes. And, you know, it's funny because you're talking about blogging now and everybody knows what blogging is. But when you started, you were an OG blogger. Like I know even at some in another interview, you talked about how you were kind of even embarrassed that you were doing this like blogging thing at the time. So what did your mindset look like? And, you know, you were very good about being consistent as well. So I just love to hear like why you were still doing this thing, despite it being kind of this crazy idea for people at the time. Oh, yeah. People had no idea what I was talking about. Like I used to explain it as... I would say like, okay, you know, like a magazine, like in style magazine, it's kind of like that, but on the internet, like I would have to really break it down like that because most people, my family included had no idea what I was doing and certainly didn't think that it was any type of viable business opportunity. But, you know, I think for me, it really was, it was seeing other people who were creating careers that 
I was like, if, if they can do it, I can do it. I, I really believe that I can do something like that too, even if it looks different for myself. But I think more than anything, it was just the truly the love of doing it. I have always had such an internal drive to do something creative and express myself in that way. And so, you know, they always say, do what you, it's whatever that saying is, that's a little cheesy. Do what you do, what you love to do, even if you weren't getting paid for it. It really was an example of that. I, I was doing it for a long time without getting paid for it. And then for quite a long time, I was getting paid a very small amount for doing it. And it wasn't until, I mean, probably four years in that I could hire a couple of team members and really started to see the business take off and feel confident that it would continue to pay the bills and continue to grow as time went on. I love that. And it's so true. I get hit up all the time. People ask me questions about podcasting. And I was like, pick something that you can talk about, even if you don't get paid. I mean, I do this as a passion project, but it's like, what do you do naturally that you can do all the time? Because then you don't get as burned out. But I'm actually, that takes me to a next question, you know, creating content. You know, I'm doing this podcast weekly with my business. We do a lot of content. I'm very new in the space, but for someone who has been doing it for decades, and I know the landscape has changed, but how do you not get burned out by putting so much content. And in the early days, you know, did you get burnout? Because consistency over years is definitely not easy. And a lot of people do just stop in the middle of it. Yeah. And I have seen so many friends and colleagues stop. And and I and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because I think that one of the beautiful things about the time that we're living in is we can have multiple seasons in our careers. But I am thankful that I have continued to love what I do and feel so passionate about the work that I get to do every single day. I think that the key to not feeling burned out, there's I think it's a few, there's a few layers. Number one, I have definitely experienced burnout at different times in my life. And I think that instead of quitting what I was doing, I knew that I still had that passion inside of me that instead of quitting, I pivoted and I changed, I made changes which I think is really important when anyone feels burnout to not just keep doing what you're doing because it doesn't work. It's not going to do anything unless you make real viable changes. So I think that my sort of deepest period of feeling really overwhelmed and knowing that I had to make a change was probably when my kids were babies. When I had my little boy, who's now seven, I had also a two-year-old and had a business at the time I was employing, I think I had four full-timers all working out of my house. So basically I had a company in the back bedroom plus two kids under the age of three. And I was trying to do everything at 110%. And I was living in such a daily, a place of daily hustle. And looking back, it's funny how I feel like I can barely even remember some of those days, it feels like such a total blur, which is makes me sad to say because my mm. son, that was his infanthood. And I've really had to work to kind of let go of that guilt and instead take what I learned and take those feelings and use it to really inform the choices that I, that I make and the way that I live my life now. So I really, I think I had a wake up call during that time that you know, the way I was spending my time and the way I was living my life was really a direct reflection of my priorities and my values. And I wasn't prioritizing the things that I said were most important to me, like my family, my friends, rest, those things that are outside of the grind of building a business. And that really inspired me to make some actual changes with just setting boundaries for myself in my working hours, making sure that I prioritize things like 
my morning routine and my journaling practice and those self-care practices that really keep me feeling grounded and keep me feeling like myself. And then just setting priorities with the way that I scheduled my time, making sure that I was baking in time to spend really focused time with my kids and with my extended family and just bringing a lot more intention to way that the way that I was like designing my life in a way. You know, it's interesting because, you know, looking at you now and how you set up your day, which we'll go into in a little bit, you are so intentional about where you spend your time, where you spend your energy and, you know, hearing about how you were building your business. And this was not the event planning business, right? Was this when you were doing Camille Styles? Yeah, this was when I was running the site full time. Exactly. So you have these two young kids and I'm curious, you know, because we hear this a lot. A lot of women come on our podcast. They're like, you know, I was burned out. I would do things differently. Do you think there's a level of that grind that's necessary in the early days of your business to really get you to where you are today? Or looking back, you're like, you know, life has seasons, maybe for a few months or a year, I wouldn't have gone hard, or maybe I would have hired differently. Like, I'd love to just kind of hear your perspective around if you think that was necessary to get you to where you are today. Yeah, I do think there are seasons for the grind. <laughs> and I think that there there are times when you, as especially as, as an entrepreneur, you may be wanting to work around the clock and it may be a time when you know it's a growth phase and the business needs your full attention and you're working a lot, you're working hard. You might be, you know, getting up in the night to like bust something out because you just had a jolt of inspiration. And I think that those times can be hugely impactful for kind of hitting the gas and getting a business going, but I think they're not sustainable. And it's really in that realization of this is a season, but it's not forever. I think that's where the key lies and knowing when it's time to back off a little bit or knowing when it's time to prioritize something else and put it in its place because you know none of us want to be on our deathbed and realize that all we did was grind our whole lives. So I think it's bringing that intention and awareness to knowing when that's appropriate, but also knowing when it's time to make space in our lives for other things as well. I think that's so key. And always remembering, because I think people don't do a good job with this. And this is something I try to remind myself often is that this is a long-term game. And if you are pushing yourself so hard with or without kids, right? I don't have kids, but sometimes I'll push myself hard. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This is not allowing me to show up as a leader. I should be, I'm going to be doing this for a very long time. And like you said, it's not a short-term game. And like, we all want to live a purposeful life. And when you do, when you have that rest and those self-care rituals and health is like, you only show up better and you make proper decisions. And, you know, I'd love to just kind of unpack how you think about self-care and really setting up your goals for the week. Because I think the way you approach your week, there's so much that we can learn from that aspect. Yeah. Well, this is something that, like you said, I am pretty intentional about goals and priorities, but out of necessity, I think that I am someone who can get sort of so deep in the weeds of the day-to-day work that if I don't have a system in place to force myself to step outside of it and really look at what I'm doing and why, like I could spend my whole day deep in my inbox or my social media feed. So just want to promise that I think that the reason I'm intentional is because I need it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll back up a little bit and maybe take first the higher level view of how I set my goals and priorities for the year, because then that really informs the way that I do it on a weekly and daily basis. I'm a big believer in when you have big goals and big things that you want to achieve, 
like really articulating what those are, but then breaking them into smaller goals and smaller action steps so that you can start making traction. And you're not, so you're not just frozen with like the intimidation of having to tackle this seemingly insurmountable goal. So at the beginning of the year, for the last few years, I create what I call my vision deck. And I actually have it online, so I can share the link with you. Oh, I created a workbook out of it so that other people can use the sort of framework that I put together. Basically, I look at the different categories of my life. So professional, family, personal, self-care, spiritual, what it's personal, whatever categories of your life are most important to you. Those can be kind of your buckets. And for each one of those, I create one. And I mean, like one, only one goal, because it's so tempting to create five goals for each one. But I think the only way to really create traction on big goals is to focus on one at a time. So maybe there's, I'll just give a work example. For 2021, one of my goals for my, my big goal for the business, I wanted to do over 100 million page views on site in 2021. So I wrote that down. That's a huge goal though. And like, there's so many different factors that could go into that. So in my vision deck, I listed out under each one of those. If I were to choose only one thing that I could do that would most move the needle for that goal, what would it be? So for that goal of 100 million page views, I chose to actually focus on growing our email list because I knew that our email list is the most powerful direct impact that I can have on driving traffic to the site that doesn't rely on like a third party source or a social media channel or an algorithm. It was something that I could do. So it gave me a very tactical like to do step. So then I have my goals. I have my action steps. Then let's move to the weekly model. So every morning for as long as I can remember, I have like a morning ritual time where I get up, I drink my coffee. I just kind of center myself and I write in my journal even if it's just for a few minutes. But part of that time is looking at those goals. And I told you that I like do this because I I do it out of necessity. I can easily get so like caught up in what's happening that day. If I don't return to my goals over and over and over, they're literally gone from my brain. So it just focuses me and reminds me of like what I'm really doing here. It reminds me also that life is not all about work. And I need to remember that that I also have goals around wellness and family and spirituality and personal life and financial that are outside of my business. And then I hold those goals up to my weekly schedule. And I look at how I'm spending my time that week on my actual physical calendar. And I take a look to see, does my calendar reflect my goals? Because I really believe that the way we're spending our time is a direct reflection of our priorities. And it can be kind of a rude awakening sometimes because you might have a really full calendar and realize that none of it has to do with any of the things that are most important to you. And then I have to make the choice of what am I going to remove from my calendar so I can make space for the things that do matter to me. And so that I can actually feel that each week I'm making even just a little bit of traction towards each of my goals in these different areas of my life. So that's kind of a high level view of 
like how I figure out what my goals are and how I create that vision. But then on a weekly and daily basis, how I actually am doing the work and making traction towards them. I love that you pick one goal on an annual basis, because like you said, we can be like, we're going to do these 10 things, but even the one goal of increasing your email base, there's so much that falls under that. So I love that you just keep it simple because we have to remind ourselves sometimes there's so much that goes into different aspects, but how do you break out your yearly goals? Is it then monthly goals? And then you go into weekly, what's the middle step between yearly and then like the weekly protocol you have? Yeah. So once I have those yearlies, I'm really, that's when you can be a little more free with like listing out, okay, here's my whole roadmap for how I want to do this. Here's how I'm going to grow our email list. And like for work projects, like we use Asana as our, as our project management system for our team. So like I would actually get as granular as creating an entire Asana project that's about email growth. And I would go in and show like, this is how we're going to do this over the course of this year and really work with my team on that. On goals that are a little bit more personal or abstract, like, you know, let's say I wanted to do a handstand by the end of the year, which actually is on my goal list. Oh, I love that. (laughs) So for that, you know, it's a little bit more like, okay, what are, what are some, how would I break that out? Like if I really want to do a handstand by the end of 2022, what are some things that I can do to actually make traction there? So, you know, obviously it's, it's starting with like a, I don't even know. I have, I obviously haven't done much on this goal, but like a, a frog stand or whatever. And like, let's try to knock that out by the end of this month. And Again, I think just breaking whatever the goal is into more bite-sized pieces. I find that trying to to make weekly traction on those is most powerful for me because daily is a little tough because as we all know, like things happen and life can get in the way and I don't I'm not a believer in like beating yourself up because you didn't, you know, do these five things by the end of this day. But I think weekly feels a little bit more easily digestible because we all have quite a bit of control over our weekly schedule and how we're allocating our time over the course of a week. And you can almost always find at least one pocket of time to dedicate towards something that's important to you. Gosh, it's true. And I'm just laughing because you were saying you have to be so mindful of your schedule out of necessity. I'm the same exact way. Like I can get deep into something. I can be responding in a customer service DMs or just be on social media. Like my mind is naturally very scattered and I'll blame it on banking because I feel like when I was in finance, I had to do a million things and it worked for me there. But as a entrepreneur who like really has to move a business and it relies on me and my team, like you need to be very intentional. And that's why I love just kind of hearing what goes on behind the scenes for you. And my calendar, even though, like you said, I life happens or might be things that move and I've now don't have any judgment on that, but I have to be very specific about what am I doing every hour? And I feel like that's a very constant theme. And like many of the women who've come on my podcast, including yourself is like, how do you be intentional about your week and have plans and just be thoughtful about your time? Because what I've realized is that work can always consume so much. And if family is important to you, your partner, your friends, vacation, you know, whatever it is, self-care is like a whole nother bucket. Like you need to be intentional or else it just like, you know, goes out the door. So I think it, sounds simple, but it really can make a big impact in so many people's lives. So I appreciate you sharing. And I can't wait to add the link of what you put together to share with our audience. So that's super exciting. Yeah. And I also, one thing you said reminded me too, like one of the kind of side benefits of this doing some system like this, you know, carefully setting intentions and, and letting them reflect your calendar is 
I think that all of us probably regularly experience that feeling of getting to the end of a really busy week and thinking like, I didn't really accomplish anything. And it's the worst feeling. And so often I have that feeling when I think I let my calendar get overtaken by my inbox or scrolling social media, or even like you said, responding to DMs and things that feel urgent in the moment, but they leave that feeling of like, I didn't really do anything, but I felt so busy. And I think by, like you said, actually putting those priorities on your calendar, it's really nice at the end of the week to be able to look back and say, okay, maybe I didn't accomplish everything, but I did spend this really solid hour with my little boy at the park. And I did do this podcast with Yasmin. And, you know, I spent an hour brainstorming on this new business idea that I really want to work on. And so I think it's just really important to also give ourselves credit for all of the things that we do do that are actually building the lives that we want to be creating that sometimes we may not give as much credit to how important they actually are. Yes. And that just reminds me, I'm just sharing this in case it's helpful this past weekend, you know, it was a holiday weekend. I tried, I usually work on Sundays just to kind of catch up. I enjoy it. And it just kind of sets me up for the weekend. You know, this weekend we had family in town. I wasn't as, I wasn't working as much. And I remember on Monday, I was just kind of chatting with my husband about just like, my company Bia and strategy. And through that conversation, we decided, for example, to hire our first full-time employee. And it's like later in the afternoon. And I remember my initial instinct was like, shit, I did not do all the work that I need to do. But I was like, you know what? I had a really important conversation and that could move the needle for our business. And, you know, not to be hard on myself. Like you said, like whether it's spending time with your kid for an hour, like these types of conversations that might not be, or meetings that might not be in your schedule, like at least you feel good about it at the end of the week. Like, okay, this didn't happen. But I felt really good about how I progress in X or, you know, whatever that could be. So I think that's helpful. And also selfishly planning my schedule. Anytime I feel overwhelmed, the first thing I do is I take out a piece of paper and I just like drop everything on there and just setting up the calendar just makes me feel less overwhelmed. So like that's like a little hack that I think just helps my mental clarity (laughs) with stuff. But, you know, I want to pivot a little bit and talk about I believe it was an interview you did with Rachel Hollis a few years ago where you were talking about how there was maybe like a few months or a year within your blog where you felt like you didn't really push the needle and you had a lot of like vanilla comments. And, you know, you do a really good job of really staying true to who you are, who your brand is, and really having a voice, which I respect because I think a lot of people show up on social media or have a blog or a company like you sometimes can easily morph into what other people want. And it's so important to take a stance. So I just love that, you know, when things weren't really shook, you're like, you know, we're too vanilla. Like, tell me more about how you think about being different and how you feel comfortable with just owning your own opinions, because that's something I'm trying to work on every single day as well. Yeah, I love this topic because it was kind of a aha moment for me one day when I realized that we only got nice comments. And I loved how nice and kind our community was, but it did make me think about like, do people really care about what we're talking about? Like, do they have a reaction? Are they, are we engaging their emotions in a way that is really engaging them and and making them feel connected to the Camille Styles brand. And you know, I think that we are living in a time where we all get so much inspiration from all sides, which can be wonderful. I love social media and Pinterest and all of the online resources that I have for bringing inspiration, but I think it can also make it really hard to separate 
who you are and what your unique genius is that you can bring to the world from like all of those external inputs. And it's something that I'm constantly having to just be really intentional with myself about, you know, being able to see that someone else is creating something or walking a certain path in their their career. And just because they're crushing it doesn't mean that I should be doing that too. So I think during that time, I mean, I guess to backtrack a little bit, we've always had entertaining and gatherings and events as like a core vertical in the content on Camille Styles. It's something that I love. And going back to my event planning days, it's an area where I do have unique expertise and experience. But I think in the early days of the site, you know, I think that I was still kind of walking in this path that other people were expecting, like a Martha Stewart kind of planning the perfect party. Like people would always ask me this interview question, how can you impress your guests? And one day I realized I don't want to impress my guests. I want my friends to come over and just feel so welcome and so relaxed. I don't want them to be impressed by me. I want them to just feel like loved and welcome in my house. And so that, you know, I think that was a realization that I shouldn't be like creating X, Y, and Z content just because I felt like it was the expected route. And so from there, I really made a shift to like, okay, we don't need to be following in Martha Stewart's footsteps or telling people they need to plan the perfect party just because that's what's out there on the internet right now. Like, let's really take an approach to gatherings and events that is from my own unique point of view. And I found that once I started doing that, it resonated so much more with our audience. I could just tell from the comments that we received and the way people were receiving it, that it was really speaking a lot more into their own hearts and their own pain points and their own like goals and desires for how they wanted to invite people into their home. And so I think if I had any piece of advice for like anyone doing a business, whether media or not, it's just like, find out what your own point of view is because almost every industry now, it feels so saturated and it feels like there's so much competition. And truly the only thing that no one else can bring to the table is your unique set of experiences and your unique point of view. And so don't water it down because it'll get lost. And the way to stand out and the way to carve out an incredible brand is truly just to be you. Yes. Ugh. That is so, so true. And that just kind of reminds me of another question I have. You know, there's so many people who maybe are intimidated of showing up online, you know, whether it's blogging, whether it's social media, because they're kind of embarrassed or they think like, I need everything to be perfect. Kind of like your mentality with Martha Stewart, right? I feel like everyone on social media now, they have these like beautiful feeds and, you know, it's just very, sometimes can be very cookie cutter, not authentic to who they are as a brand. Do you have any advice on showing up online or showing up in your business and not really being afraid to, I guess, show up is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it really, it's hard for me too. I think that I, sometimes I think that for people who really were like grew up in social media and digital media, like have a little bit more of a, an ability to just like show up in their raw state. But I think that for those of us who, you know, I was in my twenties when social media really started to become popular. And there was an adjustment period of realizing that like, oh, looking perfect and filtered isn't actually the way that I want to show up online, nor does anyone really connect with that. So I think it's keeping top of mind, like what is your purpose on the platform? Like, what are you doing here? Because, you know, if it really is to show your brand's products, like you may not need to show up in a really vulnerable way online. 
But if your goal online and on social media is to create a connection and resonate and create relationship, then the more that you can just be your unfiltered self and the more that people can actually see your imperfections, it gives them something to connect with. And sometimes I even think like, is there something right now that I'm afraid people are going to find out about? Because that's probably the thing I should just say. Oh, interesting. You know, I like, love that. Little, little like litmus test to see if you're like faking it or being real. Because sometimes we don't even yes. know. It takes a lot of self-awareness sometimes to even know if you're being authentic or not. But, you know, I think it's just, again, doing small things that scare you every single day and one by one, they become more easy. And I think though, for any business, though, always keeping that purpose top of mind is so important because if you can kind of forget about yourself and forget about what you look like or what other people are thinking about you, and instead focus on having empathy for your audience and thinking about how you can actually serve and bring value to your audience. I found that just that perspective shift works out a lot of those insecurities. It's true. Just really focusing on that purpose is really how I even got this podcast up and going. And I was like, I'm never going to do something like this. So it's it's true, these small steps. And one question I have also is, you know, it's very easy for all of us to be overwhelmed with so many different social media platforms, right? I mean, outside of like your email list, blogging, there's Instagram, TikTok, then there was like Clubhouse, there's Twitter, Pinterest. I mean, the list goes on and on. How do you you know, for anyone who's listening who might feel overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, I have to be on every platform. Like as someone who is running their business and has a pretty successful media business, how do you think about all these different platforms? So I think this is such a great question because I actually hear this all the time from people who are like, they've just like thrown up their hands almost in defeat because it's way too overwhelming for any human to be crushing it on every platform. And so I think that getting very real about what, again, what your purpose is on any given platform for your business or for the brand that you're trying to build, being able to let go of certain vanity metrics that make it look like you're succeeding, but that really aren't adding to your, your audience, your, your revenue. Like they're not really building anything that's actually making concrete strides towards the business that you're building, like you have to be able to let go of those because there is only so much time in the day. And the more that you sort of spread yourself thin across platforms, the less you're really going to be able to make an impact on any of them. So my advice would be to choose like one or two that you feel make the most sense for your business Whether, you know, if you're a writer, like Twitter might be your jam. If you really like if video is what really lights you up, like YouTube might be the way to go. Really getting clear about like which platform is offering the best media for the, for what you provide, where your audience is hanging out, because there's obviously like different demographics on each social platform and also just what you enjoy doing. I think that's so key. Like what feels natural to you, what you have fun doing. I actually read a quote the other day that I loved so much. It said, no one wants to eat a cake that you hated baking. And I immediately (laughs) thought of social media because I was like, when someone is like forcing themselves to create an Instagram reel and their heart's not really in it, it does not resonate. Like you can just feel that they weren't having fun and enjoying it and it doesn't hit. So I think that like really staying true to what you enjoy and what actually feels natural and like aligned and authentic for you is super important. And 
I personally find the plethora of social media platforms a little freeing because for me, it's like my ticket to not having to be on every single one. Because if there's an incredible YouTube creator, people aren't asking them, why aren't you on TikTok? Or why aren't you crushing it on Pinterest? They're just like, you're an amazing YouTube creator. And you could say that about any social platform. And so I think it's just really deciding what's the right one or two for you and doing your absolute best at that, but also keeping in mind the fact that social media takes a ton of time and keeping it realistic to what makes sense for your business, because there are a lot of other ways from your website to your email list and beyond that you can move the needle, you know, in a potentially even more powerful way. Yeah. And just on that last point, you know, how have you thought about how you approach different platforms with Camille Styles? Because I know you mentioned earlier in this interview, you know, email is big for you. And I love you, maybe if you can talk a little bit about that, because I do think sometimes people think building a business is only social media. Like there's so many other levers you can pull. Yeah. And this is an area where I think I've really had to have a strong vision for our company and maintain it, even when there were a lot of naysayers, because I've known from the beginning of social media that it could be a tool and an incredible way to connect with our audience in a different way. But I wanted my focus to stay on the website. CamilleStyles.com has just been the place where I feel we can tell the richest stories. And it's what I'm most passionate about in terms of creating and being able to tell like deeper, longer form content that I think really brings the most value to our audience's life. So I've tried to be very single-minded about that being my focus and the goal of my company really being tied to that the entire way. Email is really exciting to me because it really is our core, like most loyal, engaged audience. And it's a way for us to have like a continued conversation in their inbox, no matter how busy life gets, like we can show up for them in that way. And bring them content that they might have missed on the side or exclusive content and just continue that community building. And social is a way to share what we're creating on site with more people with, you know, be discovered by like new people who may not have come to the site before and just to connect and create in a slightly different way. So I think they're all important and I love them all for different reasons, but it's been very important. I think for the continued growth of our company, for me to know that, Social platforms will come and go. They will rise and fall. This site is really, it's what we own. It's what we have the most control over the user experience. We're not beholden to an algorithm. And it's what I'm most passionate about and find the most joy in. And I think keeping that focus has enabled us to weather a lot of storms when it comes to changes online. Yes, I love that you're not beholden to someone's algorithm or whatnot, because it's always changing, always new social media platforms popping up. So I think that's a great aspect that you guys are really honing in on and one that you're also very passionate about, which is clearly important as like the leader of the business. But I also want to end, I want to talk about, you know, you're doing another amazing pivot in terms of building a new business that is completely outside what you have typically done, you know, over the past few decades, but I'd love to hear more about what you're up to in this new amazing product line that you're building and how that experience is just to be in a, a new industry and a new business. Yeah. So 
We haven't actually announced it to anyone yet. So it's very new and I haven't announced the name or anything like that yet, but I can say a little bit about the journey of going down a path in physical products for the first time and just, you know, launching my first new business after this is the first business I've launched since I launched my site 12 years ago. It's been really incredible to just have a new challenge that is so different from anything else I've done before that I'm so excited about. And also just to have to take a beginner's mind approach to it and really have to learn. I've had to be in conversations where I am not the smartest person in the room, even close about like where I really don't know anything I'm talking about and, and like tons of Google searches and really just have to start from scratch and learning something that's totally new for me, which is both a humbling experience, but it's also exciting. And I have to go back to that, like knowledge that I talked about before that I can do things that are difficult. And maybe there is a huge challenge that seems really complicated and multi-layered, but I can take what I've learned by running a business and growing a brand and know how to figure it out. And so I think for me, it's been a really fun challenge of kind of like piecing it together. And I haven't been in a super rush or super tight timeline on launching this new baby. So it's been fun to kind of just look at each challenge and each step of the process and like whittle it away until I get to a place that I feel good about and then move on to the next one. And I think that that some people, I do get people asking me sometimes if when they're launching a new business, should they quit their old job before they launch or should it be a side hustle? And so right now this new thing is kind of a side hustle. And I will say one of the unexpected like joys that I've found from it is not having to be held accountable to such a tight time schedule. I have my other business that's paying the bills and paying my salary. And I hope this new one is wildly successful, but it's nice to be able to kind of let it unfold naturally and take my time with each step of the process. I appreciate that. And also your timeline is always going to be a little bit later, right? To have a business that's paying the bills or a job that's helping paying the bills, it kind of releases some of that anxiety that you might feel of like, oh shit, we missed another deadline. Like things are always taking a little bit longer. And what I appreciate, because I think there's so many women who might be listening who might think that, you know, they don't have the knowledge to launch a business, right? Like I had zero knowledge of launching my functional food business. I wasn't in food. I've never launched a consumer product. And similar to you, like you are learning everything. We're Googling every little thing. We're having conversations kind of like probably what you did pre-event planning when you were talking to different people about, you know, what it took to kind of launch their event planning business. So I think just being very humble and open about we're all figuring things out, but it's not stopping us from launching or taking that next step. And if anything, like you said, it's very humbling and very fulfilling, right? It's like you created something from scratch. It's so much fun. Like I feel like I have this itch now to continue doing it, but I just appreciate just how real you are and vulnerable you are about you after having such a successful business career, still figuring things out. And I think that's such an important state to be in at whatever age you are. So I just want to acknowledge you for that because I can't wait to see what you guys are building. And I probably could talk to you for so much longer, but we'll have to have you up back when you when you launch the new business and we'll have to talk all things that. But Camille, it was such a joy to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Yasmin. I love this conversation and just love getting to talk with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. 
To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.